Welcome to the CKTH podcast. My name is John Vincent Campbell. This installment is with globetrotting surf photographer, former United States Marine, and friend of the program, Isaiah Frosty Neiman. From his roots in Nebraska to serving his country while teaching himself new things in the Corps, Frosty exemplifies the power of continued education and setting intentions with equal parts action. This pod is also in connection with a follow-on episode with one of Frosty's collaborators, UK surfer Adam Amen. As always, big ups and much respect to Frosty for his service. Cheers and enjoy. Frosty, how's it going? Good, John. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, how uh, how's this week been so far? Uh, it's been good. Been pretty busy. Got a, got a lot of things that I'm working on, but you know that should be every week. That's right. That's right. No no rest. No rest for the gifted, my man. <laughs> I like what you did to change that there. That's right. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. Um, why don't we just uh, take it from the top? Where are you from? Uh, yeah, so I was born in uh, Seward, Nebraska, uh, and then lived there a little bit in my early childhood. And then I, uh, when I was about six years old, around 2000, I uh, moved to South Carolina and then spent the rest of my childhood years there. Uh, joined the Marine Corps in 2015, and then... I went to Camp Pendleton, California, and spent five years there. And then I spent two and a half years in Hawaii uh, over at the Marine Corps base there. And then I just got out, uh, I guess it'd be four weeks ago now, tomorrow. So, Well, uh, as always, well, uh, thank you. Welcome back and thank you for your service. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> um, so, uh South Carolina to Omaha to Hawaii. I mean, one of the things like I've told you always is that um, your story and your dedication and really just your willingness to kind of put yourself out there in new situations is pretty inspiring. Thank you. No doubt. So um, to kind of walk it back uh, just a little bit, uh, how did the name Frosty come about? Yeah. So when I was a kid, uh, Wendy's used to do a promotional thing around Halloween where they would uh, they would sell books of Frosty uh, coupons like for the junior Frosties. And I was like, oh, I can get 10 Frosties for a dollar if I just stock up on these. So I would stock up on these little booklets and I would I would have them year round. So as often as I could, I would go to Wendy's and I would get a Frosty because they have great ice cream. So I just always had those and, you know, a couple of kids started making fun of me with that. And I was like, okay, I can, I can rock the name Frosty. That works. It's, it's, it's really actually sort of, they did you a benefit by bringing that into your life. I think they did. And I, I have to, uh, I have to say, uh, I've been a, um, I've been a Frosty fan my entire life. Um, <laughs> never met a Frosty I didn't like. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm individuals and the, the actual Frosties at, at Wendy's. So big, uh, big shout out to Wendy's. Oh yeah. <laughs> Still go there all the time. I love that stuff. Absolutely. I, I mean, Hey, you, you cannot knock Wendy's just period. 
when uh, I first met my wife, she was like, she, she loves to eat like very healthy food and all that stuff. And I, I do too, but this one evening, it was kind of late. We were coming back from the beach over in Hawaii. They just built a, a new Wendy's on our side of the island. And I was like, babe, let's, let's go to Wendy's. And she was like, ha, 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 you're joking, right? And I was like, no, let's go to Wendy's. <laughs> so how long, um, so your congratulations again on being recently engaged, recently married. Yeah, recently married. Got married uh, four months ago, yeah. Congratulations, that's amazing. Um, how long did the frosty uh, name sake story come out? Like basically, your, your wife knew about this frosty, the meaning behind the word frosty early on in the relationship, or is this something that she just stumbled upon later? Uh, she actually knew it, about it probably, I guess the first time we hung out. So I, I do big wave surfing when I'm not, uh, when I'm not doing photography or anything. Right. So I have a, I have a very good friend of mine. His name is Victor. Uh, he, uh, he does surf filming. So him and I kind of like worked as a tandem team in Hawaii. He would do the filming side. I would do the photography side and we just kind of double tap it. But some days he'd just come out and film for me just for fun. Uh, when I would go surf. And uh, I had gotten I'd gotten hurt surfing at Waimea Bay, messed my back up a little bit. So I went to a chiropractic office and that's how I met my wife. She was the receptionist there. But because I'd been to that chiropractic office several times, like she kind of like knew a little bit about my my information and whatnot. And my email that I had on file was uh, <clears throat> it, it's had a had a piece in there that relates to Nebraska. And my wife is from Nebraska. And so she was like, oh, hey, do you have any relation to Nebraska? And I was just like, yeah. I, I didn't follow up anything about that. And uh, she kept asking me about it and asking me about it. But so she knew my real name from that from the get go. Right. And the first time that we hung out, uh, I made her get up at like four o'clock in the morning so that she could come with Victor and I to go up north, up to the North Shore and, uh, and go surf. And she was going to come along and watch. And so then when she met Victor, he's calling me Frosty. And she was like, this is confusing. Right. What's, what's your, what's your real name? What's, what's going on here? So I had to explain that. That's great. That's a, that's a great story. I mean, it, she, she got to see your, I don't want to say your alter ego or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, she got to see the call sign in, in real time. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So when you were growing up, I mean, like, you know, I said, you, you, you throw yourself into all kinds of stuff. So uh, obviously you, you must've been playing a whole host of different sports when you were a kid. Yeah. I grew up playing uh, basketball, football, baseball, and soccer. So and I always loved to be really active and, you know, I was, I was homeschooled growing up, so I've never been to school. Oh, wow. Um, so I, you know, as often as I could, I could, you know, pretty much make my own schedule with school. So I could base it around sports and everything else that I wanted to do. So I got working from a very young age because, you know, working helped me pay for sports and, you know, different trips like that and things. So sports kept me out, uh, out of trouble and very active. And, you know, it was just really enjoyable to me. I never, ever dreamed that I'd get into surfing because yeah. where I grew up in South Carolina, we're like three or four hours from the beach. So didn't spend a whole lot of time at the beach when I was a kid and, then uh, when I joined the Marine Corps, I was like, oh, I'm an active guy. I can do this. So, yeah. So explain that to me. So you're you're how old when you decided to join the Marines? 
Uh, I was 20 when I joined the Marines and uh, I hadn't really thought anything of it. The way that it all works, I was a, I was a helicopter mechanic and the impression that I was under from the recruiters and everything that I'd been told was that I would be going to Florida for school uh, and then I would probably get stationed somewhere on the East Coast. That didn't happen. I went to school in California, got stationed in California. And then uh, after after I finally got to my unit in California, there was a there was a crew chief there at my unit that he uh, he did a lot of surfing on his off time. And I was like, that's something I want to get into. So I bought a board from him and started going. Just I didn't know anything about it. First time I showed up to the beach, I had no idea what surf wax was. I went out with no wax at all. Didn't have a leash. Made an absolute fool of myself. But I learned. So, well, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to go out without a leash. I mean, typically the best people are the ones that do that. So, you know, you got <laughs> started. You started just right. At, you started just right at the top. Uh, yeah. So okay. So so let so so I want to get into the surf stuff. Uh, I, I still want to stick uh, stay on the, the Marine Corps just for a, 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 a bit. Okay. Um, so just again, like you know, I think that everybody has an absolute you know, um, an unfailing amount of respect, like it or not, for the Marine Corps, right? Uh, first in, last out, you know, I think that everybody has seen a group of Marines, everybody knows the level of camaraderie, but, you know, just talk about it from your vantage point as to like what that all means to you. Well, fun fact, if you didn't know this, the Marine Corps is older than the United States itself. Um, but the Marine Corps for me, it was kind of interesting. I didn't really know a lot about it. I have a very large family and I have a lot of cousins that were military. My dad was in the army and uh, my neighbors growing up, uh, they they were all Marines. Like my, my neighbor had five sons and they were all Marine Corps. And I always thought that was really interesting because I, I worked for my neighbor doing landscaping uh, when I was in high school. And he always talked to me about it. He was like, oh, it's a great job. You got to you gotta go do it. Got to go get it in the Marine Corps. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, I looked it up a little bit online. And it says that they're the best of the best. And none of my cousins were, were Marine Corps. They were all uh, like Army, Navy, stuff like that. And I was like, well, you know, my where I fall in my cousin tree is I'm at, I'm at the bottom. I'm the oldest of my family, but my everyone in my family is the youngest. So I was like, I want to do something different. So I joined the Marine Corps, not really knowing too much about it and uh, ended up being the best decision I could have made in my life. They uh, are definitely very hardcore, very, uh, very, they got a lot of screws loose. You kind of have to, to, to be in the Marine Corps, but they're good guys. They'll, they'll do anything for you. I've never met another group of people that it doesn't matter if you don't know them you could call them and they'll, they'll be there. You break down on the side of the road. It's like two o'clock in the morning. You just call your buddy and be like, Hey man, I need you to come get me. So I never had like car insurance or like that. Uh, what is it? The roadside insurance that comes and helps you never had that the whole time I was in the Marine Corps. Cause I just call a friend. Cause you don't need it. Right. No, you don't need it. Right. Nah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's in, in many ways, I just feel like the Marine Corps is, a fraternity within the broader fraternity of being in the military itself. And, um, you know, my, my father was stationed with the Marines when he was in the Navy. And, uh, his highest remarks were all the people that he served with 
were always all the guys that were in the Marines. So, um, yeah, you had a funny story, by the way, about just like the different <clears throat> groups within the core itself that you're serving with. Like you, <laughs> you, 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 you mentioned like the dudes playing hoops at the gym, the guys that were like working on the Cobra helicopters with you. Like you said, yeah, hey, so a couple, I was, couple, uh, I, I was a helicopter maybe. mechanic. Yeah. I, I worked on, uh, Hueys and Cobras, uh, pretty, pretty old helicopters, but very, very good pieces of machinery. Um, you know, that's, that's the entire culture that I knew within the Marine Corps. I didn't, I never really hung out with infantry guys or ground side guys or anything like that. But, uh, every, what is it? Twice a year, every year we have this exercise that goes on in Yuma, Arizona. It's called WTI. It's a weapons tactics. It's a weapons tactics course where you get like tanks and infantry guys and just people from all walks of life within the Marine Corps, we all get together and do like wartime exercises and stuff like that. But, you know, you have a little bit of downtime too. So I'm playing basketball at the gym one day and uh, a bunch of these guys were like, Oh, Hey, you're uh, you work on skids. Right. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, Oh dude, we got to come hang out with you guys. You guys are crazy. So I had no idea that we were viewed as crazy because that's, that's, that was my baseline. That's who I hung out with. So I, uh, the, all these guys came over to the, to the smoke pit, the common area to hang out with us that night. And, you know, we were throwing, throwing a big party. We had a bunch of coolers with all different kinds of, uh, drinks and <clears throat> stuff like that. And we're just all, we're just all family. We just all get together and have a really good time and get a little crazy sometimes. So, but it's nice because, you know, as crazy as you get, you don't have to worry about it because you always have a friend right there to be like, Hey, okay, it's time to go home. We're going to cut this off. Nobody's getting in trouble tonight. So. Right. Right. And, and, and it, like you said, it, it, it sounds like the idea of leadership, uh, you know, in that respect, just is like everybody kind of shares in that responsibility to an extent. It sounds like. Yeah. The, the Marine Corps is very big on small unit leadership. So to, I guess, I guess to like measure it to like other branches, we, a lot of times I've heard, I've heard it compared to the Navy where you can be like an, an E5 and E6, something like that. And then you start getting responsibility, but we start teaching responsibility at E1, E2 type levels. You're, you're in charge of whoever's under you and you take care of them. You're, they're your responsibility, their training, what they're doing with their life, how their finances are, all of that stuff. Like, we're very involved in everybody's life within the Marine Corps. And uh, you get, you get guys that are, they, they can move up through the ranks very quickly because they're, they're very good at taking care of their guys. And you get other guys that need a lot of help and, you know, not all the time. Cause you know, nobody's perfect, but most of the time we have an opportunity to help straighten those guys out and create a better life for them. So. Right. Yep. And, 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 you know, you're, your fellow, you know, service people were relying on you to make certain that they just straight up weren't going to fall out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of pressure. So uh, I, my qualifications uh, were, I was a CDQAR. So it's a collateral duty quality assurance representative. So my job is pretty much to ensure that all maintenance on, on the aircraft is done correctly and without fault. So nothing can possibly happen to the aircraft mechanically. It can't fail. 
um, so that, you know, when my pilots and crew chiefs go out there, they're going to come back safely as long as there's no other issues that they go on. So it's a, it's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, we teach, we teach that that's really important because you may not be the one flying on the aircraft, but your best friend is. So everything has to be done, you know, very methodically and to the highest quality. Amen. No doubt about it. So that that's kind of where, you know, I wanted to kind of start our transition here into the, into the surf piece, because, you know, like you said, um, there's really high stakes for you not doing your job when you're a helicopter mechanic. And, and in the same context, there's obviously very high stakes when you're either surfing or filming anything involving a, a big wave. Yeah. Uh, there's just like a whole different set of circumstances going on there. Yeah. I actually got really interested in uh, big wave surfing through a couple of movies. I saw, I saw Bethany Hamilton's soul surfer. That's kind of where I got the idea for surfing. And I was like, that's kind of something cool. But then I saw this other movie called uh, Chasing Mavericks, uh, Jay Moriarty, and uh, there's Frosty in that movie too. Uh, but that, that kind of like got my, got my interest. So I started looking up as many videos that I could find on YouTube at the time of, you know, big wave surfing, you know, what kind of stuff is out there. I can't remember what the video was, but, uh, I saw this one video that was talking about how like big wave surfing is like very similar to being in the military. Everybody's relying on each other. Everybody has a job to do. And you become very tight knit because it's such an intense circumstance. And that kind of really drew me into that. I was like, I love that camaraderie, that brotherhood, and I love surfing. So how do I start getting into that? And uh, I just, you know, was like, okay, I guess the best way to do that would just be to like be there. So I didn't have any of those opportunities to do that while I was in California, but the opportunity came up to get transferred to Hawaii. And I was like, oh, I know they have big waves there. I got to go. So I moved to Hawaii with the Marine Corps in uh, 2020 and just started asking around to see what I could do to get into that. But yeah, big wave, big wave surfing is, uh, is very interesting. Like you, you have to really know the people that you're around and know that everybody is out there for the same reason that you are. And whereas, yeah, you kind of want to compete with other people and make sure that you get your wave, but you also want to make sure that everybody's safe and, everybody yep. is having a good time and everybody comes home. So, right. Yeah. No, the, the, the best surfer in the water is the one having the most fun, right? Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So, so, so still, still kind of walking it back. So you, um, um, and, and I, and I'm sorry for belaboring the process, uh, because it, <laughs> you, you do have such a cool, you do have such a cool story. So you, you're, um, you move to San Diego, like you said, you, uh, buy this nine foot long board, you know, you uh, are not the, um, you know, you're just kind of coming in. You're just diving into the deep end, literally, when it comes to the world of surfing. Uh, you said that this first cream-colored longboard snapped in half. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, back when, back when I first started surfing, I didn't know anything about it. Didn't have any friends that surfed. I was the only person at my unit that, that surfed other than that other guy. But he didn't, he was like, I don't want to teach you. You can, you can just do it yourself. So I, I would, I would, I would go out and I would surf by myself for probably six or seven months. And in, in San Diego, right? So like, yeah, in, yeah, in would, San Diego, where would you start paddling out in San Diego? 
I don't know the proper name for the place, but if you go down to if you go down just south of Carlsbad, there's like a little area there where it kind of like gets a little bit rural just before you get to, uh, I think it's the Encinitas area. La Costa. Yeah. 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 I, I would go out there because there was nobody there. So I was like, okay, this is probably a safe place for me to learn how to surf because I can't hurt anybody else. I can't get in anybody else's way. So I'm just going to surf here. And I would go there religiously like every day. So I was working night crew at the time. So I would, <clears throat> I would go to bed at like two or three in the morning. And then I would wake up at six o'clock, seven o'clock. And I would go surf for several hours. And then I'd come home, take a nap and then go back to work. But yeah, I, I just was like, if I just stay consistent and just put my time in trying to learn and figure out what I'm doing, then I'll get it. So did that for probably six months. And then I decided I was like, okay, I'm ready to try a different beach. So I went to <clears throat> Del Mar beach on the Marine Corps base. Cause I'd heard that it had good surfing, not necessarily the case depends on the day, but I, uh, took off on this wave and I had not figured out how to turn yet. It was way too big for me, but you know, I did it anyway. And I snapped my board in half and I was like, Oh no, what do I do now? So I was like, I guess I'll just go buy another surfboard. But I was like, in, in my head, I was feeling a little cocky. I was like, okay, I can, I can do a, uh, a short board. That, that'll be no problem. So I went and bought a short board. It was a five, five, six, way too short for me because i'm a i'm a i'm a six six one six two guy and uh yeah i spent like another four or five months screwing around on that thing basically trying to have to relearn because it was way too small for me finally got it it worked for what i wanted it to do but yeah, yeah. No. don't recommend yeah. that if you watch this and you're just learning <laughs> don't get a short board <laughs> don't don't go from a nine foot long board to a five six short board uh definitely not no, just yeah. No, um, so it's it's super impressive, like you said. You you're you're maintaining all of your duties and responsibilities in the Marine Corps, which again, you know, working on aviation equipment is a real deal job. Like you're not just like clocking in, clocking out, and being like, "What? Well, whatever this helicopter is going to do, it's going to do." That's like a that's a that's a responsibility that must be taken seriously. Absolutely. You then, like you said, you, you get off work clock out from the core, go and get, you know, some sleep for a minute. And then you're coming back and you started working at the Whitlock surf factory in Carlsbad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, to, the Whit to the Whitlocks. I, I should say that back when I was starting my company in 2005, 2006, uh, I, I did do a few things with the Whitlocks, Ricky Whitlock, shout out. Um, good people. Yeah. Yeah. Rusty Whitlock, great guy. He, uh, fantastic shaper guy. He has a fantastic story too. Very interesting guy to talk to. But yeah, I, uh, I had fallen, fallen in love with surfing so much. I was, you know, I was young. I was like, okay, when I get out of the Marine Corps, what am I going to do to stay around this culture? Cause I love everything about the surf culture. I don't know what other people's experiences are, have been, but my, everyone that I met was very, very nice and was just so awesome and just loved everything about surfing. I was like, man, these guys are great. Like I, I want to be a part of this. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can find like a shop to kind of like learn, learn how to shape boards at. So I went and started interning at the, at the Whitlock surf factory, like you said. And, uh, I met this guy, George, uh, 
he is a he's a dude from Portugal. He's fantastic shaper. And he kind of he kind of just became a really good friend of mine. And uh, he would teach me the little things about how to fix boards and how to how to work on my own boards. And what's George's uh, last name? What's that? What's George's last name? George Elias. Shout out, George. Yeah, yeah. He he's fantastic. He's now since moved to Canada and he runs his own uh, surf shop up there. Uh, check it out on Instagram, Altered Blade. Very cool. So. Yeah, uh, it's, it's around the Vancouver Island area. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll have to look up exactly what island it, it is. It's right across the border, though. And the name of the shop one more time. Altered Blade. Altered Blade. Cool. Yeah, Altered Blade. He makes great boards. George. Not 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 easy starting a business in any era, but I think particularly this one. But we digress. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, he. Uh, so I, I started spending a lot of time with George and uh, I would, you know, I'd get there around like, well, I would, I would, after a couple of weeks, George and I would go, uh, we'd go surf together probably around like seven or eight in the morning. He started taking me to like the rock in Oceanside. It's a, it's a spot maybe like two miles south of, uh, south of the Oceanside pier. We go to the pier some, some days if it was good and other times the Harbor, but he, he was great for, for me learning how to surf. He really like, taught me like what I was doing wrong and how to fix, you know, making my turns and how to, how to do better, better carves, things like that. So he was, he was a fantastic guy, but yeah, so I, I would surf with him from about seven, seven or eight in the morning until about 10. And then we'd go to work and, uh, he would teach me stuff throughout the day and we'd, we'd joke and, you know, he speaks pretty, he speaks really good English, but he was teaching me a little bit of Portuguese and just really opening up my eyes to the uh, wild, the wild expanses of things that I didn't know about other parts of life. Cause you know, he grew up in Portugal. I grew up in the United States. Haven't ha had a lot of interaction with people that grew up in other countries and stuff. So very, very interesting uh, to do that. But yeah, so I, I would work there until about two or three in the afternoon and then I would, you know, go home, go to, go to the Marine Corps, uh, work all night and then do it again. Wow. And I mean, you know, it's just interesting visually to, to think about somebody changing out of, you know, whatever the uniform that pretty much everybody in Southern California wears, which is like a pair of flip flops, pair of shorts, <laughs> maybe a hat, right. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, clocking into the core where you, you have to have your gig line set and you have to have certain standards in place with respect to what you're wearing and how you're wearing it and all that kind of stuff. So like you're, you're kind of navigating these two aesthetics and these two very different sets of rules, I guess, in and out of the core. Yeah. I got, in, I got in trouble a couple of times cause I would come into work like right at, right at the time where I was supposed to be there. And I would, I'd be in board shorts and a t-shirt and then I'd have to change over and people would be like, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be in your uniform already. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm running a little late. So yeah, that some, some Marine Corps guys didn't understand surfing as much, but surfing is definitely something I think that it's a, it's a double whammy. I think everybody should do it because it'll change your life and it's a fantastic thing, but please don't do it. Because the surf, the, the lineups are getting so crowded. Right. Yeah. No, ex explain that. So, you know, everybody's talked about how the lineups have gotten that much more crowded post-pandemic or I guess pandemic and onward. 
Um, which, which I guess makes sense. Um, and, and, and at the same time, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's a healthy thing to do. You're connecting with nature, you're connecting with literally you're connecting with sort of the, the, the earth's energy. Um, and then you're, you're the, you're one of the people that is not only enjoying that learning that, but then like starting to capture that. And so, you know, uh, when did you decide that it was time for you to pick up a camera and a housing? Oh man, let's see. I, I was interning at the Whitlock surf factory and, uh, <clears throat> previous prior to this actually. So I, I, I picked up a camera because I knew that I was going to be doing some cool things in the Marine Corps. So I wanted to be able to like document that and have those for, you know, have those pictures for me to remember, you know, when I was old and stuff like that. But then I really fell in love with just like taking awesome pictures because there were so many cool things that I got to do. I got to travel around with the Marine Corps a lot to different, different places like Wyoming. I did a couple uh, things up there and been to Arizona a couple of times, but uh, yeah, so I, I had picked up a camera and was shooting in the Marine Corps. And then George asked me to come out and shoot one day. He was like, Hey man, like, I know you, you do pictures. Can you, can you come out and take some pictures for me? You know, while I surf. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I start, I brought my camera out and I was shooting from the beach and I was like, okay, this is, this is nice, but I want to be in there. I want to be like right next to him. You know, I've, I've heard of stuff like that. So how do I get out there? So I went on online to B&H photography, shout out to them. And they had this little uh, Ziploc bag that you could put your camera in. And it was like, it was like 40 or 50 bucks. And I was like, cool. That's within my budget. That probably works good. So I'll do that. So, uh, it worked for about three weeks and it was just <laughs> in, in hindsight, that's one of the scariest things I think I ever did because putting putting a really expensive camera in a little plastic bag, not my wisest decision. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I did that. And I, hey, Frosty, it, but it worked. It worked. It worked. For the time, it worked for the time being. Very it worked time. for the time being. So California, definitely safe enough to do that. Hawaii don't recommend. Right. So you so you moved to Hawaii beginning of the pandemic. You're just now starting to get into surf photography at this time, right? Yeah. So at that point in time, you've been surfing for probably, you said like four to five years or something? Like yeah, that? it was four, four to five years-ish. So you, like by the time you get to Hawaii, like you're very comfortable in the water, but had you just started doing like a lot more surf photography or like, like where were you in the surf photography thing when you moved to Hawaii? So... I had, I had done enough surf photography in California that I knew I wanted to, to be a part of it. Cause, uh, there, you know, there are several like, uh, WSL competitions that like on the QS series that happen in Oceanside. So I would go to those every year and I would shoot from the pier. I'd get a, get a good spot on the pier. And, uh, I was just kind of hoping that, you know, maybe I would find a way to, get in with them and like shoot for the competition or something never happened but at least i went around and asked i went to the the qs series tent one time and was like hey can i can i go shoot like for the competition and they were i had no idea what i was doing and they were like no you need like a press pass and you gotta submit your credentials and stuff like prior to the competition so i was like okay well that's that's not gonna work so i would just go up on the pier and i would shoot and i uh got to shoot a lot of really awesome surfers like I met Bethany Hamilton there uh, when she released her uh, Unstoppable film a couple of years ago. So it was really great. She at the time she had become one of my like big uh, 
what do you call them? Inspirations, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She's a fantastic lady, but, uh, but yeah, so I got to, got to shoot some pictures there at that. And, you know, I was learning more about how to frame the picture and things. So then, uh, when I moved to Hawaii, I was like, okay, this is, this is the Mecca of surfing. You have, you have to be there if you want to be anything in surf photography. So I went online, did a little bit more research and, uh, I, still didn't really know what I should be looking for. So I had, I had seen this documentary called the white rhino about big wave surfing. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. It's on Amazon. But, uh, the main character through that film was this, uh, surf photographer, Brian Bielman. And, uh, I'm not afraid to call anybody. So I just looked his number up online and just called him one day and was like, Hey man, uh, I'm new to this. Do you have any tips? What should I be looking for? And he was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is what you need. He set me up with exactly what I should be looking for and what to get in a water housing. So I went and picked up a, a CMT water housing and I just started started swimming out in the water and was like, OK, like the best way to learn things is by experience in for me, maybe not for everybody, but for me, that's how it is. So I bought a new camera. I bought a Sony A7R three and uh bought the water housing and i started going wow that's amazing i mean a lot of people well a lot of people get intimidated about a lot of things but i mean i wouldn't say that you know surfing and particularly surf photography is is the most approachable uh of combinations <laughs> no it's definitely not it uh it is, there's a lot of learning that goes into it, you know, understanding the beach, understanding uh, the tides and the swell angle and the weather and who else is there and where you need to be at in relation to the surfer. What kind of style does this surfer have? Is he going to be coming this direction or that direction? And where should I sit in the water? How much do I need to be working out to be able to swim this lineup to stay in the right spot versus getting carried away by the current. Like there, there's a lot more that goes into it that people don't really uh, realize. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty awesome thing. But uh, I was very fortunate. I got, I got to meet Victor uh, probably within, within a couple of months of being in Hawaii, Victor, Victor and I met Victor. He's also in the Navy. So we had a common ground there, but we were both uh, trying to break into surf photography and surf filming and, we just bonded over that and we started to train together and we went and swam pipeline together for the first time. And we just pretty much done it all together. So, so would you say that you're like 10 X the swimmer that you used to be at this point? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, definitely not as great of a swimmer as I would dream of being, but you know, there's always room for improvements. So, and you're always your, 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 your own worst critic. But of course, of course, yeah, learning, learning how to swimming with a camera is wildly different than surfing with a surfboard, but there are upsides and downsides to both of those. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're lugging around quite a bit of weight with one and quite a bit of volume with the other. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, uh, um, and then where would you say that like was the first you said you went and swam pipe together? I mean, was that like the first kind of indoctrination, if you will, in terms of like really feeling the kind of power of the ocean in Hawaii? Oh man. 
let's see first well actually like backing up to that i uh the first time that i really experienced the power of the ocean in hawaii was i had met a guy at work with the with the marine corps and uh People, you know, I, I was the new guy because it was a new unit to me. But uh, people had been throwing around the rumor that, like, you know, I was I was new to the unit. I surfed. So then this guy came and found me. His name's Walker. He's a dude from Florida, grew up surfing, all that stuff, had way more experience than I had. But he was like, oh, dude, you surf? And I was like, yeah. He's like, cool, let's go surf Waimea. And this is my third week being in Hawaii. And so I hadn't really gotten out and like surfed a whole lot because I was getting my house settled and figuring out, you know, how my unit was working. So I hadn't really gotten out there yet. But I was like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'm down. Also, I didn't really know that much about Waimea at the time, but he was like, yeah, it's going to be like 15 feet. And I was like, OK, let's do it. And I was like, do I need a different board? And he's like, no, nah, just bring a long board. You'll be fine. So I was, I was like, I don't, I know I don't have a gun, but you know, a longboard is similar to a gun in some regards, you know, it should be fine. So, uh, yeah, we went and this was like, right as the pandemic started, I think it was like the first or second weekend that the pandemic had, had blown up, but we were like, okay, well let's, let's go and, you know, see what happens. So we, we get out there at like five o'clock in the morning and, you know, it was like perfect Waimea, not too big, not too small, good enough that you could have fun, but still learn. And uh, yeah, I went out on a longboard and got wrecked a couple times, but I got some, got some really fun waves out of it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful for, I'm so thankful that there was nobody out that day. I don't want to say I'm thankful for the pandemic, but it was, I've never seen Waimea Bay like, like that. Back to the day of why man, like back to the day of why man. Yeah, so I'm not thankful for the pandemic, but having having Waimea to yourself is is a gift, and I didn't realize it at the time. I was, you know, I just didn't know. But yeah, myself and Walker were the only two people out at Waimea Bay, and I'm on a longboard, he's on a wave storm, and we just had so much fun. We got out after that, and we were like, okay, we got to get guns. So we. After that, we we went and found found some guys that were selling some big wave guns, and we were like, "Cool, we're buying them." Bought them, and I've been doing big wave surfing at Waimea since then. You know, I'm not trying to dip my toe too far into the water before I'm ready, but right. I've, I've surfed Waimea now probably probably like 17 times. So, yeah. So explain that to me. You know, I mean, like obviously everybody knows the. Um the well-earned reputation of, you know, certain places in the surf world being competitive or perhaps standoffish or, you know, whatever. So uh, talk about some of your experiences there. Cause it seems like you have no problem kind of traversing these boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my theory on things is, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. So, you know, if you're kind and respectful to everybody else, regardless of if it's their home break or your home break or whatever, then 
they're going to, they're going to treat you with respect. You know, you, everybody starts with a certain level of respect. You know, you only lose it if you treat people the wrong way. That's how, that's how I operate anyway. So, you know, when, when I, when I go to new lineups and things like that, you know, I, I sit on the outside and I watch what everybody else is doing and figure out who's kind of the boss and stuff like that. And I, I don't try to get in anyone's way, but you know, I just try to be respectful of everyone and we're all, we're all there for the same thing for the, for the love, love of surfing. So, you know, we're all just, we're all just trying to do the same thing, but Waimea Bay was, was awesome. You know, I was a little nervous about it because, you know, I didn't know what the lineup would be like. I I'd never really experienced other big wave surfers before, but everyone out there was fantastic. They were really, really nice. You know, I, I got to surf with people like Polly Ralda and Jamie Mitchell and they're, fantastic awesome people so great great role models to look up to yeah so you 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 like you said you you uh, i think in any environment paying your dues is a pretty you know natural thing right is part of the, the absolutely the, the evolution and like you said also kind of just you know finding um finding a group that that you know and you like and you trust to to kind of learn from and it seems like you are um, kind of a, a natural at being able to learn from the folks around you, which is maybe kind of like the best skill that anybody could ever have. Um, oh, thank you. No, no doubt. No doubt. So, so you're, you're, you, you, you really established, I think just such an amazing routine for yourself being that, you know, you weren't a local to Southern California, you weren't a local to Hawaii. And then at the same time, there you are, out at YMEA with, with a dedicated group of friends doing what you're passionate about. Um, so explain the, then the transition that you recently just went through in terms of getting married, transitioning out of the Marine Corps. And now you're preparing for this really amazing adventure, uh, in Ireland. Yeah. So, um, I went to, I went to Jaws for the first time back in 20 November, 2021. That was my first time there. And, uh, I had, I, I just went on a whim, just trying to try Cause I wanted, I wanted to be there. You know, Jaws is, is a pinnacle place in the, in the surfing world. Uh, it's massive, beautiful water. But anyway, I, uh, I bought a plane ticket and went over there just to shoot from the cliff, just because like, I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to have those photographs. So while I was there, uh, you know, I don't, didn't have a huge reputation built as being a big wave surf photographer yet. So I gave away all of the photos that I took. I, you know, gave a bunch to Ian Walsh and I sent some to Kyle Linney and, you know, different, different guys like that, Francisco Porcella. But that was, you know, I, that was something that I felt was, you know, the right thing to do. Cause you know, if I, if it were me surfing out there, I'd want to have those photographs and being from my position, you know, I didn't feel like I had the reputation to be like, Hey, like you guys should pay me money for this or whatever. So I, I kind of gave most of those photos away and that really benefited me in a lot of ways. Cause I got friend, really good friends out of it. Uh, like Katie McConnell and Adam Amin and uh, stuff like that. And anyway, so I, I met Adam via that via email and being the type of guy that I am, I, I don't mind, you know, helping anybody out if I can. 
And so him and I had uh, had an email thing going back and forth about these photos. And a couple of weeks after that, he uh, he put a thing out on Instagram saying like, oh, hey, I'm on Oahu trying to surf the Waimea Bay swell. And I wasn't going to be able to do do that swell because I had some I had some other things that I was doing with my girlfriend at the time, not my wife. And uh, he was like, I need a board. I didn't bring the right board. And so I hit him up back on Instagram and I was like, Hey man, you know, come, come borrow my board. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. So I loaned him my big wave gun and he went and used it for the whole weekend. And then, uh, when, you know, when he was done, he was like, Oh, Hey, well, I, I want to, I want to take you guys to dinner, you know, just as, as a thank you. So I, I had no idea what this guy was going to be like, cause I've never met him in person. I've only seen him from the cliff, you know, it's, you know, like half a mile away or whatever. So we went to dinner and I got to meet Adam. He's a fantastic guy, originally from England, which that blew me away because I didn't know that at first. He shows up to dinner and he's got an English accent. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that sounds nice. <laughs> right. So, like, I mean, that's just so crazy because you're like, yeah, this, this guy's a great guy. But, you know, you, you can't get the accent over email. So it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. But, yeah, so we kind of just bonded over that and stuff. And. I was like, hey, man, if you ever come back to Oahu, feel free to hit me up. You can come stay at my place. I have extra couches and an extra room, you know, just come crash at my place so you don't have to worry about booking a place or anything like that. <laughs> so he took me up on it and he ended up coming over a couple of weeks again after that. And we just kind of became friends because he would come and spend like a week, a, a week or so of time at my house uh, over on Oahu. And you know, he, we, we were kind of talking about how he wanted to, to do more surfing across, you know, different, different breaks around the world and things like that. And I was like, I want to be there. I want to go like shoot those waves. I want to go, I want to go do this. And so we kind of came up with this idea that uh, we would see what we could do to make this more of a constant lifestyle lifestyle of just like chasing the swells around the world. But me being in the Marine Corps, that's not really not really something that I could do at the time. So I was kind of like biting off more than I could chew at the time. I was like, Hey man, like, you know, if I get out of the Marine Corps in time, then, you know, we'll do that. If I don't, then, you know, maybe I'll help you out a couple years down the road. Uh, but it worked out. Uh, God is good and everything happens for a reason. So the Marine Corps said that they didn't want to have me around anymore due to some religious, uh, you know, differences. Uh, and I got separated about a month ago in July and Adam and I had kind of been talking about that prior, prior to things. We, we had kind of come up with this idea that, uh, we wanted to see if we could get some, uh, get some more traction if we went to Ireland and, and Portugal. So Adam's a, Adam's a pretty cool dude. Uh, he's been in the news all over the place and has really been charging on big waves and, he's he's got he's got some real special talent to him and uh so yeah we came up with this plan we're gonna go to ireland sometime in between november and december and uh go surf mulligmore and hopefully nazare if it works out and we're gonna be doing a youtube series just kind of documenting the whole thing there will be a lot of other stuff in there uh besides just those two waves but uh 
but yeah, definitely make sure you comment, like, share, subscribe. Uh, we're we're going to try to do an episode a week and keep everybody interested, which is very, very cool for me because I've kind of been talking to different people around here where I live now. And, you know, they're like, oh, what, what are you doing in, uh, in Ireland? I'm like, well, we're surfing. But not, if you're not in the surfing world, most people have no idea that there's any surfing in Ireland. Right. Most people right. think it's Hawaii, California, maybe Florida. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I, I think that um, that entire area, like you said, from a standpoint of getting in the water is still still very novel and still something that I think even a lot of the people in that neck of the woods probably just, you know, are, are just only now getting more exposure to. Um, yeah. So, no, that makes that makes total sense. I mean, being half Irish myself, um, you know, uh, I, I think it's phenomenal because I've never been there. I've, ne- I've never seen it, but everybody knows how beautiful that they say that 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 whole part of the world is. And so I think that you're obviously poised for a, a remarkable adventure. You and Adam. It, it, w- it will be good. It will be good. So uh, I'm really excited as to what we're going to be able to do with all of that. And uh, Mulligmore, if you've ever seen it on youtube or anything like that it's a fantastic wave very scary but it's it should be real fun there's there's going to be a lot of good stuff to come out of that so uh for the youtube series have you thought have you and adam kind of gone back and forth at all about a a, a name or a title for this well we have not come up with a title for it yet uh we're still in a little bit of the planning process of that but uh it's definitely a go we are we are going to do this um just kind of figuring out the uh, the minor details, and once okay. I once I get that put together, and we were able to put a put out a trailer or get people interested, then uh, I will definitely let you guys know about that. That's awesome. No, I'm I'm so excited for you, for Adam, and and you and your new wife. I mean, this is uh, the the stuff that legends are made out of. You know, Just, uh, <laughs> pack pack it up and, and get off to Ireland and shoot shoot the shoot the, some of the biggest waves in Europe. That's amazing. Yeah, it'll be fun. So. Um, well, well, look, Frosty, I mean, it's amazing uh, that America's service people can rely on you to keep them in the skies. And uh, it's amazing that some of the best big wave servers in the world can uh, count on you to get the shot. I think that's, um, it's uh, hats off to you, sir. I appreciate it. No doubt. Well, uh, look, I really appreciate you taking the time and let's definitely uh, – do a check-in here about the the journey that you're about to go on. So uh, I look forward to, you know, tapping into you again. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's talk soon. Sounds good. All right.